welcome to the Acupuncture Outsider podcast. My name is Richard Hazel, and in the time it takes for you to commute to or from work, I hope to have shared something of interest about orthopedic acupuncture using motor points, trigger points, myofascial slings, uh, neurofunctional acupuncture, segmental treatments, anything that crosses my mind that seems to be of interest. I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello and welcome to the Acupuncture Outsider. This is Richard Hazel and this week um, I'm going to talk about a couple of the tough cases that I'm working on right now that I have not uh, resolved. You can hear how I'm kind of going through, like methodically trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and I wanted to give some updates on things coming up. Uh, I am, well, I just have to create a Zoom account. I want to have a, a Zoom account to be able to record Zoom meetings because I'm going to I'm going to open up the subscription on Podia for which what I would consider uh, an affordable coaching um, platform. So it's not one-on-one, which, you know, I know if I'm doing one-on-one, then obviously I have to charge more for the time. Whereas if I'm doing a Zoom meeting and it's maybe three, five people, then obviously it's going to be um, affordable to almost anybody any in any part of the world based on your economy and exchange rate should be affordable. Um, and in the membership, I'm including two of my um, courses that you normally would pay for, which is the core essentials and the manual muscle testing uh, courses. So that's kind of geared toward people who are just getting started with orthopedic acupuncture and trying to understand the methodology understand how you choose what to treat and you know why you're doing it so i want everyone if you're going to be in the mentorship then then you have the core essentials and the manual muscle test so that when you know if i point you to something like that then you can review it uh, the core essentials has a lot of anatomy review review of things like um, upper cross lower cross myofascial slings um, tonic phasic uh, rehab strategies from Dr. Yanda, uh, just a lot of things that I think everybody needs to know uh, to get the best results. Well, because getting the best results requires the best assessment. If you get the right assessment, no matter how you approach it, you will have some level of success. Even if you couldn't use acupuncture, if you understand the problem, you can find a way to apply manual muscle techniques or stretching or massage gun depending on the issue so so okay so we're going to do the mentorship membership it's going to be 30 dollars us uh, a month and you can drop out at any time there's no major commitment no like oh you have to pay for six months or something like that uh, nothing like that i want it to be affordable i kind of wanted to create what i wanted to have when i was new to you know, treating patients and, and, and having uh, challenges and trying to figure things out. Um, it probably worked in my, um, 
to my advantage that I had to figure it out myself because that was why I had to sort of dive into the sort of dry uh, reading about orthopedic stuff. Um, it helped me uh, to really fully grasp concepts and really, you know, have that ready at any at any time. I don't have to just constantly look something up. But um, I want people who are new to be able to get excellent results from the very beginning because you have to survive long enough in your practice to know these things uh, without having to think about it. And that may take some time. I feel like it probably takes a few years of doing orthopedic acupuncture before you really start to have a good rhythm and and just know where you want to go and know what you want to do and and you know whatever the new challenge is and if it didn't respond then what you what do you do next or what do you look for that takes time so i want to be there to help people who are having challenges and we all have tough cases we all have challenging cases where we're not getting much help from the medical experts on either the etiology or uh, the um, best approach for the this person's pain because sometimes we don't even agree on what the actual etiology of their problem is. So, um, so yeah, look out for that. I am just starting to talk uh, with the people at China Books to arrange something in. Sydney next year, probably in March. Um, so be on the lookout for that information. And um, I just spoke with somebody to possibly do something in um, Montreal, in, maybe next year. So that would be exciting. I, I would teach in English, but I'm definitely looking forward to having conversations uh, with the French speaking. Um, people who attend and um, I am in Amsterdam in September um, with Jenny Neters and Josh Margolis you guys really should consider making it to Amsterdam in September I think it's going to be excellent I think we've already talked together about what we want to talk what we want to teach so that there's no no big overlap and that is cohesive and that the things that we're talking about all kind of make sense together, um, even though they're different topics. And w there's going to be a lot of cool, interesting um, assessment and treatment techniques. And I think Josh is definitely bringing some stuff that, that maybe nobody there will have seen before. Um, and I'm, I'm changing around my... Uh, hip and headache material to add new material and talk a bit more about uh, nerve entrapment syndromes for the hip. Um, so I'm bringing new material and trying to streamline assessment to get accurate uh, assessment of what's going on and not have to take a lot of time with that. Um, and Jenny's going to bring awesome stuff and you know that she's uh she's the team acupuncturist for the san francisco 49ers so if your dream is to work on pro athletes you want to meet jenny 
and um, make that connection. So I think it's going to be really awesome. Um, you guys should look into it. Come to Amsterdam in September. You know you have nothing better to do. September is often a slow month uh, for people. August and September can be kind of a slow month for patients. Um, so, you know, consider that. And maybe don't, don't beat yourself up when it gets slow. And just admit that it's going to be slow. And take a week and come to Amsterdam and meet lots of really cool people. Okay, so we're doing that, and um, I'm trying to think what else is on the schedule. I have some uh, new videos I'm going to be shooting, hopefully this coming week, for the Motor Point Guide. One of those is going to be the plantar nerve trunk. Um, I think I'm doing uh, orbicularis oris uh, for that for the this shoot as well. Um, on someone's request. So there'll be some new stuff coming soon to the motor point guide. Um, what else? I guess that's, I guess those are the only announcements I wanted to make. So just be on the lookout for, um, when I open up the membership in case you're interested, we'll do zoom, we'll do zoom meetings. Um, I'll probably start out as a once, once a month zoom meeting, but realizing that there are people in completely different time zones. Um, I may end up doing two per month if there's enough interest. For instance, the people who are in Australia or maybe even in Europe may prefer a different time uh, and day for a Zoom meeting. So, you know, based on feedback and interest, uh, I'm definitely willing to do that to kind of split it up and have one where I do it very early in the morning for myself and one maybe late in the evening for myself so that it's morning in Australia. Okay, so um, all of that out of the way, my tough cases. I have I have a case of blepharospasm. It's her left eye. And basically... The eye just goes and just blinks and is very light sensitive. She has to wear dark sunglasses. It started out kind of as just an occasional sort of um, twitch for the eye. And it became uh, almost nonstop. I mean, when, when she's having a really bad day, it's just spasming, spasming, spasming. And it causes a lot of headache, especially in the, in the forehead right above the eye that spasms. So... She is the friend of one of my patients that I had already been treating, and her she and her, her friend, um, they're both they're both retired medical professionals, so we could talk pretty, um, you know, wonkily about nerves and things. So her she mentioned her friend had these blepharospasms, and I, and she said, "What do you think?" And I said, "I you know I haven't studied that, I, and but but it you know it's like a facial nerve thing, so." I would recommend, you know, the pathways of the facial nerve where things could get impinged might be somewhere at the occiput um, near the where the SCM attaches and then maybe uh, somewhere in the jaw, like uh, try, you know, in the masseter, try in, you know, the temple area right behind the eye. Perhaps there's a branch there that she'll find some tenderness that she could massage. Maybe there's a muscular compression of the facial, one of the branches of the facial nerve 
that is irritating the facial nerve and causing these spasms. And and she and and I when I finally saw the patient, I did find that she was also having spasms in that sort of um, I guess it's like the uh, I want to say mandibular. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember that middle branch, but the one that goes toward the nose and um, the upper upper lip area that was also spasming. So it was the branch that goes up to the eye and then the one to, you know, toward the nose. So I decided to see if electric stimulation might help. And I originally started out thinking maybe there's an entrapment at the, like the, the occiput SCM, maybe right in front of the ear, something like that. Um, and then I switched to only stimulating the in the masseter and that sort of Tai Yang area indentation behind the eye. Um, that seemed to get a good, both of those get good stimulation of the facial nerve without too much discomfort or, or muscular uh, contractions. So, and she, she's like pretty needle sensitive. So I just try to keep it to what she can tolerate. So I put those two little tiny needles in and then I hook up the electric stim for about 10 minutes. And um, and it seems to be helping. As she, she still has the spasms, but she has many good days, she calls them. She said, I had two or three good days. And then the spasm came back and, you know, and that was a really bad day. And then, and then she gets these headaches and uh, right above the eyebrow. So twice she's come in on really bad days with her dark glasses on and, and she's in a lot of pain from that headache. And the electric stim alone has um, made the headache go away. And then usually the spasms don't subside too much in the treatment. She still have some. But then apparently the following, you know, day or two or three are much better, less spasms. So I can't cure her. And but I, you know, I've been able to give her some palliative relief, which is a nice step, but it would be great to understand it better. And and apparently it's one of those issues that so few people have that they really don't know much about it. They have theories about what's what, you know, how the spasm is being generated, but not how it is being, like what's the etiology of that? Like what is really going on that caused it? So that that makes it tricky for me. And I'm still, you know, looking into it, trying to figure out what else could I try that might get longer lasting uh, results. For instance, I've been considering um, instead of treating the, just those two areas, but maybe try to get the orbicularis oculi muscle, um, maybe just, you know, right on the outer part of the eyebrow. Um, I think I tried that the very first time I, I saw her and it didn't seem to make any big difference, but, but, um, that's one of the things I'm thinking about. Um, and maybe, you know, one of those little, muscles next to the uh, next to the nares of the nose sort of area like um like for a stroke patient um i don't know i'm i'm just trying to think through like what else could i try to see if i get longer lasting results so that's a tough case and part of that has to do with um 
the it being a diagnosis that's not well understood by even the experts. So that's tricky. And then I have a patient who has, well, I'll tell her, I'll tell you the symptoms and then, um, then I'll tell you what I think. Um, she's, she's on a lot of pain medications, including opioids because she, after she had a hip injury, um, I think she was just getting out of the car, but like her hip popped and then she had horrible, horrible hip pain, crippling hip pain. And then, um, they, she went to the doctor and they were doing, they tried, um, nerve blocks. They tried a, a stimulator. I think it was a spinal cord stimulator. She, she thinks it was in the low back. Um, but she doesn't have good memory of where the stimulator was. I think it was in her low back. Um, and she has sharp shooting pain sometimes in the rectum. And then she gets like spasms. Her constant spasm is, is sort of rectal spasms. Um, like, and apparently sometimes it's just off the chart, horrible pain. Most of the time it just feels like muscle pulsing. And if she lies flat on her back, then, then she gets pressure in her abdomen and, um, this, um, this contractions get a lot more uncomfortable. She can't find good places like to sit or whatever. Um, if she stands, she'll get temporary relief until she's standing for too long and then it comes back. But when she first stands up, it goes away, but then she has a lot of hip pain. That's stuff that I'm working on, um, as well, because she had just, so, so much tension in her hip muscles. And I've been working to basically feeling like if I can get her hip better, then maybe some of this um, will go away because I think it's nerve entrapment. Um, I've assumed it was pudendal nerve entrapment. She was sent to me by uh, a urologist um, who, who had a patient of mine who did very well for a pudendal nerve entrapment. And so she sent me this case, um, and this is a really tough case. So um, I've done a lot of dry needling for the muscles that could be entrapping the pudendal nerve, primarily the piriformis, the obturator internus. I've worked on the gluteus maximus because anything that can attach to the sacrotuberous ligament and, and put pressure on the, on the pathway of the pudendal nerve that's been, um, on my mind. Um, I've, uh, she, at one point she had a lot of, um, on the same, she, it's all one-sided by the way, it's all right-sided. Um, and she had a lot of pain just on light pressure in the abdomen, abdomen, uh, abdomen, abdominal muscles, like transverse abs, external, internal, oblique, something like that. So I was treating those and thinking possibly maybe this is a different kind of nerve entrapment, maybe like it's ilioinguinal nerve entrapment because she does get some numbness on the inner inner upper thigh area into the sort of groin area. Um, so I thought maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's a combination of nerve entrapments like pudendal and ilioinguinal. Um, so I try different things. One, one thing I can say 
is that doing electric stimulation of the S2, S3, and sometimes even S4 sacral foramina has given her temporary complete relief. So if I do like 10 to 15 minutes on those sacral foramens with the with the with the needles all the way, you know, as deep as I can go and try to not be uncomfortable and just just one hertz of electric stim for 10 to 15 minutes and her all of her symptoms uh, all of the sort of rectal stuff goes away. And then one time that lasted for I don't know 20 minutes or so on her way home she it started to come back but one time it only lasted for like five minutes um, so it's been really kind of hit or miss but my conclusion is I'm on the right track I think it is a pudendal nerve entrapment um, though that is not necessarily a diagnosis that she has been given um, I basically have to treat based on what I think. Um, so it's tricky. I wish that I had the 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 exact diagnosis so I wouldn't spend time on things that weren't going to work. But um, and I don't like to do like I don't like to treat like two or three different diagnoses at one time and then you don't know what helped if it does help, especially if it's like temporary help. You don't you don't want to have to do those like three different things that you know, that didn't help, um, if you don't need to. So, so I'm working on it. Um, her hip pain is getting better. Her mobility is getting better. Pain down the front of her leg is, is somewhat better. Um, still numb on the inner adductor area and still has really, really bad days of, of what I think is the pudendal nerve causing contractions and shooting pains. Um, and it is one-sided. And I've tried to press all along the pathway of where the pudendal nerve could be entrapped and cannot find a sensitivity that tips me off. Um, she's pretty she's pretty large, um, overweight, so it makes it even harder sometimes because... Um, in order to push even just to the piriformis, I'm pushing pushing pretty deep just to just to palpate the the piriformis. It makes it a little trickier. Um, but I'm not. I haven't given up. I think there are other things that I'm going to try. I think the next thing I'm going to try is I was reading about um, epidurals for um, labor, and sometimes they'll do an injection. Um, or the pudendal nerve below the piriformis right before it goes into the lesser trochanter when it comes out of the right below after it comes out of the greater um sorry the the greater sci sciatic uh foramen before it goes into the lesser sciatic foramen um right below the piriformis uh, they do a, a nerve block so what i was thinking was i could use electric stimulation in that area just try really, you know, carefully just to go right below the piriformis, but not too deep. I don't want to, I don't want to hit the nerve or cause uh, discomfort from the electric stem. But I think if I get close with some stem, it'll cross over. It'll, it'll, it'll reach into that area to possibly neuromodulate the sensory aspects of the 
pudendal nerve. We'll see. We'll see. And I guess there's a motor function there too. It's causing those spasms. So I, I, I'm going to give it a try and see if it's comfortable. If it's uncomfortable with just, you know, a few seconds of stim, then we're definitely not doing it. But um, if, if she can tolerate it, it's not uncomfortable. I would just want to see if I get a longer lasting neuromodulatory effect than just treating the S2, 3, and sometimes 4. Um, so there's my tough case. Um, and what else? And yes, I've been trying from the front too. I've been <laughs> working on the psoas. Um, I can't really reach her iliac as well. But hoping that the motor point for the psoas is kind of overlapping that iliacus tendon. So getting some release in the iliacus. But, you know, there is always a possibility that iliacus has got some, you know, hitting uh, a different nerve, that, like a genital femoral or something um, that, you know, could be affected. Um, it's tricky. It's very tricky. But um, anyway... The, the psoas motor point does give her some relief. So there is some something pointing to a different nerve entrapment other than you know, pudendal. Um, okay. So if nothing else, this is making me dive in really deep on uh, nerve entrapments for uh, groin pain and per, uh, pelvic pain and uh, all these sort of... Um, you know, urogenital uh, symptoms. So those are my tough cases. Um, I guess that's it for, for this week. Sorry if I'm not giving you lots of uh, treatment tips <laughs> for, for things, but I think it's good to be transparent that I get stumped on stuff and, um, and I just don't, I don't give up. If the patient's willing to keep working with me, I'm going to keep reading and trying to figure out new approaches, find something that, will give a longer lasting, um, better uh, relief. And then I, you know, I also said, if, if I am not able to help you, I would very much like to speak with the doctor who referred you and tell her what I think is going on in case there's a medical intervention that is necessary and possible that could uh, give permanent relief. So um, we'll see where it goes. Anyway, um, I hope you have a great week and uh, be on the lookout for the Podia announcements. And that would be if you're already signed up on Podia, you'll get an email. And if you're not, then you'll get some, you'll see something on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Take care. Mm -hmm.